0: Love Talk Radio. Love Talk Radio. Only Lily, only Lily, kuvingazi Uka, Luvia, Uka, Fandalini, Manawango, who cousin will at the phone, Malila uko I have gone my door so low Where on she's I'm my oh
1: and welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. My name is Roger here in Canada. Uh, it is uh, 9.03 Mountain Time. It should be 11, something like that, 11 a.m. Uh, in New York. Welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. A very interesting discussion, and nothing there again. Um, <laughs> I really want to have... Uh, uh, Pastor Brian can come back because the, poor, the the poor shall always be with you. That is not mm. um, when you read scripture; it is not a complete. When you end there, it is not complete context uh, the way it is given. But that is for another it, day. It, 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 welcome. Yeah, it's one of those yeah. difficult things. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, welcome. Uh, we have uh, a special guest today. Uh, Actually, it is an honor and privilege. To, uh, it's high time, Nathan. We, we we don't have a lot of uh, Honorable Ministers visit us in the uh, in the radio to discuss what is happening back home. Uh, but uh, mm. Honorable Mushimba, I think, has been very kind to us um, whenever he has he has time. So today, we are privileged to have uh, the Minister of Higher Education, Dr. Brian Mushimba who is going to be discussing with us the state of the higher education in Zambia uh, among other things is also a member uh, of co- a member of parliament for Kankoyo constituency uh, what is going on over there we shall also uh, take a little bit of time to discuss the state of politics in our country honorable mushimba welcome to zambia block talk radio my name is roger again here
3: Roger, it's it's indeed a pleasure of mine and an honor to be back. Uh, You've been kind to host me each time I've been in the USA, and um, this tradition has continued today. I'm very pleased to be part of the discussion today.
1: You are very, very welcome. And like I said, again, amongst your colleagues uh, in the PF, very few uh, want to step up. And uh, and uh, talk to us about what is happening in Zambia. uh how would you characterize the state of higher education uh, in Zambia? Uh, happy, average, not very happy? Where are we?
3: Well, the the type of person that I've been, I'm rarely pleased with the with uh, the status quo.
0: Okay, I good. challenge
3: the status quo. I always mm-hmm. want more. And from that mm-hmm. perspective, I'm not very happy with where we are. I want more. And the reason I say this is, even up to now, we're only admitting about 20 to 22% of high school graduates into higher education in Zambia. That is leaving about 80 the mm. Of our grade 12s behind. That
0: That's is it, yeah. not
3: something that I would be happy with. And uh, my mandate, since I went to minister Ministry of Higher Education, is to change that. We change that through improved infrastructure, additional infrastructure, making uh, education uh, um, accessible in terms of uh, uh, cost structure so that the vulnerable can also be able to access it. And uh, also, obviously. Um, adopting other creative ways of making sure that the envelope can uh, be accessed and many more can come through this. Uh, I would rather have graduates that are unemployed uh, on the streets of Zambia than uh, grade 12s that are unemployed.
1: And what are we doing? with see, the 80% uh, which are remaining behind. This is some serious uh, stati- statistic, uh, Honorable Minister here. Okay. Did we lose our Roger? August? Are you there? Yes. Yes, I'm here. I was. Uh, my question was: um, What are we doing with the eighty percent? We are remaining. Uh, remaining behind. Uh, what Roger, is are you the year project? Oh,
0: okay. We oh, are. Okay.
1: I, th- I thought
3: I lost you, but, I- but I'm back, and I'm sorry to say this. I'm actually driving. I'm driving from St. Louis to Chicago, so I think I drove through a bad area. I'm so sorry.
1: Oh, okay. Are you able to hear me now?
3: Yes, yes, I'm able to hear you.
1: Oh, wonderful. Well, yeah, I was saying uh, you've given us uh, a very serious uh, statistic here uh, where only you are admitting only 22%. Uh, what, what are we doing therefore, Honorable Minister, with the 80%? Uh, who remain, who can't go to, uh, who don't have access to higher education?
3: Yeah, that, that, that's been uh, now the, the big discussion in the ministry um, by government that uh, what do we do? And um, like I said, the issues for us to increase the envelope have to be around infrastructure. And uh, I'm glad to report that um, as PF government, there's been a robust infrastructure plan around higher education. We have a plan to have a university in each province. We are on our way doing that. We are about to, we are breaking ground on FTJ University in Wapula, uh, Northern University in um, Northern Province, um, Lewanika University in Western Province. All those are at the cusp of us starting to construct. We've expanded UNSA, we've expanded CBU. You should, you should see the infrastructure expansion there. We, are, um, we have upgraded Kwame Nkrumah, we have upgraded Chalimbana, Mokuba, Kapasamakasa is a new university in Northern Circuit. We now have seven public universities uh, versus the two that we used to have back in the days. Um, I'm happy about that. Uh, very soon we have many more uh, which we are supporting. Government also is supporting uh, the private sector by having many more of them come on board because government can't do this alone. There are very good uh, private universities now that have come on board. You know, there's Unilas, University of Lusaka, there's Apex Medical University. There are many others that have come on board, and they are helping uh, government uh, uh, with that desire to educate all the citizens. Then... um, we have this two-tier system that the PF government put in our education system where there's a recognition early on that not everyone can go to university. There will be others <coughs> that, uh, who, who go to you know, artisanal skills like bricklaying, electrician, and they, are, they don't need all these other things that uh, we, we ordinarily used to teach. So there are two-tier systems now that we have. There are those going to university, and there are those that we are, we are moving to more hands-on skills you know, and those we are creating colleges for them. Uh, not long ago, we commissioned Munce Trades. Not long ago, we commissioned the Soccer Trades. I was privileged to be there to Soccer Trades with the President commissioning that. Next, we commissioned the Calabar Trades. I was there with the President commissioning that. Next, we are commissioning Mongu. After Mungu, we are going to um, to Chipata, and so we are putting all these now crafts, trades training institutes, and we dubbed them trade scooper district, so that we can just have people, you know, we, we have these institutions right there where people are, and we can find a way to incentivize, a way to encourage, so that many of our grade 12s, regardless of who, their circumstances, they can go through these institutions and acquire a skill or become, you know, whatever they, 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 they can be, and they leave the full potential as
1: Mm. Um, infrastructure, Honorable Minister, is one thing. Cost to access education is uh, is another. How, how are you addressing that issue?
3: Very good question. Uh, in fact, on the cost aspect, um, I'm about to take a document to cabinet, and the document mm-hmm. is speaking to the cost of educating. The cost of educating. Um, if there was a study done, it was a very long time ago study done. And we've gone mm. back to the table to redo it. And what that has shown us is what truly it takes to educate a student in Zambia. And based on that, we can now tie to how much fees a university or a college should, should charge. And by doing that, what we are trying to do is to remove the, the, the burden that usually is put on the student because of the deficiencies in the system, and only charge the student what they should be charged if a system was optimized. And what we see happening is the tuition and all the fees that universities and colleges charge will come down some. And when they do that, then the people that are vulnerable that may not have the top watcher to spend, they'll be able to do mm. that. Secondly, through that, government puts lots of money in educating students at higher education. General education as well. I'll speak for higher education because that's my mandate. They put lots of money in that. And this money because of the fees in the colleges and universities going up, government has been educating less and less for the same money. I'll give you an example forty six million a month is given to Universal of Zambia by government of by, by the government, that 46 million kwacha given to Unza per month by government can educate many more if the university cost structure is managed. Instead of educating, let's say for example, 3,000 students, that same money can educate 8,000. thousand. That is also being sure. done to make sure that the cost is controlled, managed, so that we can have big education being accessed by everyone.
1: Um, now, I'll, I'll be allowing my friends uh, on the bottom of the hour uh, to ask uh, some, uh, some some, some questions. Uh, COVID-19, um, now we are going online, uh, I, I hear, uh, Honorable, uh, and uh, some people are unable to access education uh, o- online. They come from very rural, uh, poor Mumbwa, poor Isoka, uh, there is no internet. There is nothing there. Uh, so we have gone online. Uh, how are we? What are we thinking about? Uh, uh, those who are unable to access uh, the internet? That's a
3: brilliant question again, Roger. There, and um, you know what COVID has done for us. In fact, not only for Zander but for everyone, is to mm. make us make some decisions that we should have made a long time ago. You know, the traditional way of doing things has always been uh, not adequate. When I moved to the Ministry of Higher Education, the first challenge I gave my technocrats, my staff, is is that moving forward, all the people that are are going to apply for government to facilitate their education, we have to accommodate them. And the pushback from my team was, Minister, you're crazy. We don't have the physical infrastructure, and we can't do what you're trying to say. And I said, I don't need physical infrastructure to educate Zambians. If I have Internet and Wi-Fi, I can be in Shangombo and taking my bachelor's degree from the University of Zambia virtually. Mm. I can learn on Zoom. I can learn on uh, YouTube. Demonstrations can be shown to me. I can log into a system where lectures are there and I can watch and learn and submit my work and graduate online. That was the, a thought that had been in the ministry, but I tried to give it a bit more urgency. And there was a lot of pushback, obviously, you know, because status quo usually is what um, people are comfortable with. But I'm, I'm, I'm tenacious, you know, when I know that um, what I'm speaking to makes sense, I, I push. So I kept pushing, and then, boom, COVID happened. And my mm. staff now have come back to say, Minister, this is what we are talking about. So essentially, the decisions now that we are making around infrastructure, um, ICT infrastructure to support e-learning and online learning and virtual learning, we've put those plans on steroids to make sure that uh, we quickly can implement. The goodness is that um, all our colleges and universities, except one, is online. There's a college in Winilunga that is not online because the communications towers and the fiber last mile has not reached them. But the rest of our colleges and universities are all on Internet. The question then is, how do we make this accessible to everyone, you know, who may not have the gadget who may be in an area where there's a dead spot of Internet and they can't access Internet. And these are the conversations that we're having, actually, in the ministry to improve that. The reports I've received from the colleges and universities, believe it or not, is that the large number of their students are accessing this. That is a report, official report from the colleges. But I I come from the streets. I come from the, 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 the ground. And sometimes some of these reports they give us, when you compare with the ground, they don't... Tari. And I'm seeing a disconnect a little bit in there because I'm from Kankoyo, and if you know Kankoyo, a very vulnerable constituency. And I know there are kids there that are struggling to access uh, internet and online learning because of some of the things that I've spoken to. But the comfort I want to give the Zambians and uh, the colleagues that are on this call is that uh, this is receiving the highest priority in the ministry, and we're moving uh, Mondays and budgets to support the infrastructure around ICT so that tomorrow everyone who may today is being left behind will not be left behind.
1: And, and Honorable Minister, what would you say would be the participation of the uh, private sector, participation of the members of the diaspora uh, in, uh, uh, in, in this project uh, to, to take uh, uh, either internet or education in some areas where it is very uh, difficult. Uh, they are in spaces, uh, the private sector or the members of the diaspora could uh, 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 could feel.
3: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, the, Roger, the, the, the spaces is there. And um, um, as a diaspora, I don't think we've done enough, uh, you guys. Uh, you know, when I was appointed minister by the president back in 2016, after I won as MP, you know, the first conversation I had with the president was centered around my background and the background having lived in the diaspora for a long time and that background lending lending itself to, you know, an extended uh, uh, network that can help with some of the thought process in some of the government positions and policies that we needed to move forward. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have not exploited this to the fullest.
4: You know, I have a network
3: of people in the diaspora that I speak to regularly, and we've tried to do certain things, but you can see that uh, we have not been as successful as we anticipated. Speaking directly to the diaspora, the opportunities are there in Zambia, uh, in the higher education sector. I've met a few diasporans in South Africa that are trying to come in and construct some hostels across colleges and universities, and um, they put up whatever money, and we sign a contract with them so that um, on every quarter that a student pays to live in those dorms, you know they can take uh, twenty ingue, uh, or fifteen until their 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 money is recovered over twenty twenty years or something like that. You know, in the same vein, you know the ICT infrastructure is, is 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 required now, especially now because of the COVID and uh, the opportunity to educate more people using virtual means and online means because the physical space may not be there. So some some investment in there, you know, by the diaspora to broaden and expand that capacity. All these are conversations we are open to have as government, as a ministry, and uh, create a partnership that can work, can make financial sense for all parties involved, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and help um, you know, with this
1: uh, agenda to to, to, to to make education accessible to all. Okay, wh- wonderful. Before I go to my friend's the last question on the state of politics uh, in, in our our country, uh, Honorable Mushimba, what is the discussion in the cabinet uh, a meeting as far as uh, one? Um, all these things we are talking about on Abu Mishimba, education, whatever, they can only go up if the political space allows others uh, to, to air their view, their views freely. If that is not happening on Aribomishimba, you are not allowing the opposition uh, to go in the street and say what they have uh, to say. Uh, we are seeing the cadres go in the police and beat the police. What are you talking about in the um, uh, in the cabinet meeting, as ministers, as far as this is concerned?
3: It's unfortunate, uh, you know, some of the incidents that you speak to, you know, um, someone going to a police station and uh, and uh, doing whatever they did. Uh, these 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 incidents are unfortunate, uh, and the good the good thing is that uh, they are isolated. Incidents, And uh, the challenge that uh, we find, um, speaking broadly, is that um, the people in the diaspora are, are fed a lot of sensationalism, and it's very different when they come on the ground. I've, 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 I've seen people, people have come to my office and say, you know, being in the diaspora and listening and reading things, I, I thought Zambia is on fire. But I've been here a month and I find a peaceful, a progressive society, you know, inclusive society. And uh, people just uh, are um, living their life. So there's a bit of disconnect uh, in terms of uh, the sensationalization that's happening. And then it's by design.
5: You know,
3: the, the, the opposition uh, wants to paint a country a certain way, which suits them. And they're getting uh, mileage from that. But truth be told, Zambia is stable. Uh, Zambia is, is a good country. Zambia is progressing. If you haven't been to Zambia, you go now, you will be surprised uh, how it's changing infrastructure-wise, you know, road network, all these things. And these things are happening in a space that, uh, you know, is, is conducive. But I, I, won't, I won't be naive not to acknowledge that the, our politics are contentious, And politics, by its nature, is contact sports. And uh, everyone wants to win. And, and it's because of this that uh, there are tactics that the opposition use or the PF use. And some of these uh, tactics may, may not pass the test, but at the end of the day, it's really politics. The, 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 the other issue spoke to, for me, it's a, it's a law and order issue. If people want to demonstrate, the law provides for that. And they have to go by the law. If they cannot go by the law, then the police will arrest them. And I'm a firm believer of that, that let's exist within the law. I spoke to Public Order Act, which a lot of people have, have said is a bad law. I've called on my social platform, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. I've co- I called for submission. We have an opportunity. We are changing this law. Let's amend it and suit it, suit what we want. Do you know the submissions that we received as government? That is the point I'm making. So we want to we want to to create lawlessness, which as a state that cannot be allowed. Bad laws have to be changed. They, they don't have to be broken because breaking a law is a problem, and all of us have to live by that law, so we can't break it. People are allowed to demonstrate within the confines of the law, but when there is, let's say, volatility and political tension, the police would be irresponsible to allow maybe certain demonstrations, and us as citizens, we have to understand that. We only have one Zambia. We can't put it on fire. On on, on the back of... uh, of uh, f- freedoms and, and other things. You know, we won't we eat freedoms if we, we kill Zambia, if we put Zambia on fire.
1: All right. We are speaking to uh, Honorable Abraham Mshimba, is uh, the minister of higher education uh, in, uh, in Zambia. Let me go to the phone lines, uh, Honorable Mshimba. Uh, Nathan uh, is uh, on top there. Nathan, um, a comment or a question to Honorable Mshimba?
5: Thank you, Roger. Uh, Dr. Mushimba, it's good to have you back on the show. I just want you to know that we don't take it for granted that you always make yourself available uh, whenever you are in the U.S. Welcome again.
3: Thank you, sir. How are you?
5: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, First, can I do two questions, Roger? Am I allowed?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
5: Okay. The first one was Mushimba. Uh, you already alluded to this. COVID is something that everybody is dealing with. And uh, whether it's the U.S., Europe, America, Asia, one of the areas that the governments are contending with is the education sectors. Uh, Education sector. Are the colleges and universities uh, back home open? And if so, uh, what COVID protocols did you put in place to ensure the safety
6: of the students?
3: I'll answer that before we go to the second one. Um, uh, we, we opened uh, colleges and universities across the country to final year students, so they can okay. come and finish their year, while the rest of the grades have continued accessing online education at varying degrees, as I spoke to, that uh, there are certain people that are struggling to access. But uh, the reports from the, from, uh, that, are, that have come into my office is that uh, uh, the bulk of our students are learning online. And uh, all the protocols, COVID protocols that the Minister of Health gave us, we adhere to. You know, face mask wearing, social distancing, and uh, and uh, you know, just necessary movements. You know, even those final year students that came back, they were, they were they were rotating. If a class had, let's say, 50 students, and we can't put all of them and meet social distancing guidelines. You know, the lecturer, the lecturers split that up so that 25 are in the dorm. And learning uh, online, and then the other 25 uh, physical in the classroom, and then they rotate the next week. So we've, we've done well so far. The reports that I've received uh, have been uh, encouraging. We are now speaking with the Ministry of Health for the second phase of reopening, where we are considering. Uh, those students that are learning online now, but they are, they, their subjects are practical-oriented, their hands-on uh, oriented, such as medicine, such as engineering. Uh, so those uh, very soon here will be making that decision probably to, to see how we can allow them back.
5: Okay, excellent. It's, also,
3: it's good to know that there's online
5: learning going on. Uh, my question to that effect is uh, Wi-Fi or Internet costs money. So, however, this is happening. Who is paying for it? And uh, how are the are the, are the students or families expected to provide their own tools or gadgets, laptops, computers? How is that working? Is the government providing? Is there some something in the what do you call it in the what's that is? sponsorship program code in Zambia? What's the word? What's the word? Mm. Nazeri. No, Bursaries, is the batteries incorporate the laptop, the computer, or whatever. So basically what I, want to, what I want to learn from you is how is this working, the tools for online learning, who's paying for Wi-Fi and Internet?
3: Thank, thank you um, for that question. Um, and um, who is paying for the Internet access? It's a, it's a student. The students are having to buy bundles and then uh, log in. Uh, what government has done, my minister has done, is to speak to the Internet service providers to zero rate their Internet uh, charges. So they've, they've created bundles for students that are, that are, okay. that are extremely, extremely cheap to help uh, with, the, with that access. Um, if the student is close to a university or college, you know, we have Wi-Fi. That is free you know, that is provided by the by government so they can also access, uh, access that. Um, long term, and I spoke to this, that uh, we are moving budgets to ICT and ICT infrastructure. What we are thinking is to give more support in terms of gadgetry, you know, with some tablets to students and, uh, and uh, you know, MiFis or those pocket uh, internet uh, devices. We, we're trying to move as fast as we can because COVID is in with us, but also the fact that the opportunity that COVID is providing to make sure that we increase access to education through virtual and online.
5: Mm.
1: Thank you. All right. Uh, we go for 404. I don't know, this is Bella. I, I confused. Me. Yeah, Bella. Bella, please go ahead. Hi, Mr. Roger. Thank you very much for
2: the chance to speak with the Honorable uh, thank you, Mishimba. How are you, sir? This is Dara Sangonia from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I had a quick hey, question about my, the quality. of my, my,
3: my home, Atlanta. <laughs> How are
2: you? Yes, <laughs> your home, sir, your, your stamping grounds. I'm doing well. Thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to discuss with you. Uh, so my question is, uh, for the last 10 years, I've been fortunate that I work in Zambia, even though I'm based in Atlanta, and uh, I manage, like, uh, projects in Zambia, whether health or education. And uh, so that requires me to to do a lot of recruitment of the, of the staff in-country. But the biggest challenge that I've seen over the last 10 years, year in, year out, is the issue of talent and skills. In the sense that the university graduates, they are very bright by any definition, highly intelligent, but they seem to struggle with applying what they have learned in the classroom to solve real-world problems. Uh, just an example, like the laboratory graduates, When I hire them, sometimes they struggle to do basic laboratory procedures because they didn't have that practical aspect uh, of their training. And this also includes the computer science, software developers. Theoretically, yes, they're very bright. But when I ask them to develop an app or solve a problem, they can't really grasp that need. So what are your plans as the Minister of Higher Education to address that skill gap uh, in the country?
3: The brilliant, brilliant question that is. And um uh again going to the ministry you know and I have no background in education, you know, in terms of policy or anything like that, so
5: blind spot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <coughs> oh to the uh, honorable okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, he dropped.
5: He went through a blind spot, but so far it's worked well, Roger, than you and I anticipated.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even uh, his uh, sound does not sound like uh, he's even driving. Mm. So that is uh, a, a a plus. So just hope he's not talking to himself, and uh, he will realize that quickly and and, uh, and 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 call and call back. Yeah. Yeah, so so far, what are the, um, uh, I mean, the, the, the questions will always be there, I'm sure. <laughs> the questions will always be there. Let's um, see. Is he back? Okay. Yeah? Yes, yes yeah, yes, the, the, yeah. Back. I, think, there I think I drove to the dead area.
3: I'm so sorry about
1: that. that. That's correct. That's correct, yeah.
3: Yeah, what I, what I was saying is this is a very good question, and it speaks to the relevance and, and the, the timing mm-hmm. of the training that we, are, that we are giving, and how we've provided training in Zambia for the longest. It speaks to reviewing the curriculum and updating the curriculum to what is obtaining today. In Zambia, our education was very theoretical, you are right. Some of it by design because we didn't have the money to invest in the practical tools and the laboratories, and we got comfortable with that. And uh, the graduates we generated uh, certainly showed that. You know, I remember when I moved back to Zambia myself. I moved back when I was working for, for Lafarge in Atlanta, and I took a, I wanted to go home, and I and I asked for a transfer, so they transferred me to Lafarge Zambia as engineering manager, and. Would have a a failure in the plant, you know, the ID fan would trip and uh, it's out of alignment and needs to be fixed. And I would go there and uh, and having worked in the U.S., having been educated in the U.S., I found myself to be more practical and more hands-on as an engineer than some of my engineers that worked for me at 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 Chilanga. And, and 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 I would. And and, I, and my boss that I went with, who was also American, was a, was, a, was American, um, a white American dude, would ask to say, hey, Brian, you know, these are engineers just like you, but what's the difference? So that's what you're speaking to. What we're trying to do as a ministry is to update our curriculum, mm. is to make our curriculum relevant, is to inject the new curriculum, the robotics, the artificial intelligence, the, the, you know, all these things that now are changing the world, we are trying to incorporate those. The two pathway system I spoke to earlier, one is more hands-on, one is theoretical, is also being encouraged. But even at UNSA, where the people are learning engineering concepts, we are making it mandatory that they do some practical hands-on things. You know, and when they go in the industry, we want them to be on the shop floors as engineers, so that they can uh, improve on the skills that they learned. That's the other thing that uh, in Zambia has, has, has you know surprised me. That we have engineers that graduate. It's an electrical engineer from Munza, and they quickly want to do a management course, and they are comfortable being a supervisor on a construction site right out of college. You are not practicing engineering from first principles. So you know you, you forget everything that you learned. You know here in the U.S. when I graduated as an engineer and I went into the field, I was I was thrown into the fire. I had to know how to, 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 to work a wrench. I had to know how to terminate a, 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 a you know uh, a loop. Those are some of the things that uh, we are encouraging in Zambia, and we speak into the industry as well, so that these opportunities are given. Uh, but uh, I think the conversation, the comfort is this. The conversations are happening that we need to update our curriculums, we need to update how we teach, we need to relook at the qualification framework, which we are doing, and all these things are going to come together sooner than later.
1: Honorable Minister, I'll make a follow-up to to, to that one. I'm sure conversations are happening and um, um, uh, something to happen we, we are almost this year uh, going to be—is it 58 years uh, old as as a nation—and we are just talking about uh, about these things. You described yourself uh, right here on radio that like you are a tenacious man. We, we, something needs to happen, Honorable Minister, like tomorrow, uh, because number one, like you've talked about in the higher education, our our children are behind. Here in the United States, where you are, or here in Canada, where you are, the people who are running industry are high school kids, and that is not happening. Something needs to happen, Honorable Minister. I'm sorry, like tomorrow. As a tenacious man, we want to give you that challenge.
3: I I hear you, and the agency that you (laughs) speak to is the agency that I feel. You know, not only because I'm in the office uh, uh, for a limited time and I really want my time to be accounted for and impactful, but because, you know, the agency really is there. And uh, I'll tell you that that's how we are approaching this. Right now, the qualification framework I spoke to is, 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 is in cabinet. We've, we've finished it. It's rearranging, it's rearranging our education. Um, primary education is going to be uh, six years. Uh, all levels going to be four years then two A-levels right in high school, and at A-level, that's when you go to university. University is going to be three years like they, like they do in the U.K., you know, and uh, only if you have honors degree can you go to to, to, go to master's, things like that, that. We just need to realign so that our qualifications are regarded the same way anyone else's qualification. In that conversation, the curriculum reviews, last year uh, when I went to the ministry, we did over, over – Almost all public universities had some level of curriculum review because of the push that we're speaking to, the agents that we're speaking to. And if you've been online, you'll see a lot of creative programs now that, being, that are being offered that were not being offered before. It's speaking to the shift that we need to, to, to have. You know, the, the, some of the courses that we're teaching are courses that we never taught. So we're trying to add all these things. The challenge sometimes that we've had is, we don't have people that can teach some of these courses. And, again, the diaspora comes into the picture here. Many of you guys, I know you personally. I know the skills that you have personally. We need help. Maybe some of you can start teaching a, a class online while you are here. Maybe some, of, maybe some of you can help point us in the right direction to hire some of these skills. Because I won't be able to teach robotics and artificial intelligence at the University of Zambia if I don't have the critical mass of lecturers to be able to, to do this. We've introduced uh, a degree, an um, uh, aviation uh, 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 piloting degree, because very soon it to be a requirement for a pilot to have a bachelor's degree. And we are the first on the African continent to introduce this degree at the University of Zambia. We are working with the Vermont Tech here in, in America. The curriculum has been developed. The labs are being set up, you know, with their help. So we are moving. We would want to move very fast, but sometimes we just can't. But we'll stay at it, and the agency is appreciated, and we're approaching this
1: with the agency. Oh, wonderful. Let's go to uh, Matuda Lucas in Florida. Ms. Lucas.
4: Hello, um, Honorable Mshimba. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, I've been listening in on and off um, cooking here, so I hope you haven't addressed this question and making you uh, repeat it. But um, my question is uh, twofold. One of them is um, the length of time it takes for a student to complete uh, higher education. You know, a four-year degree a program turns into seven because of strikes, uh, lecturers and teachers striking. Uh, what are you doing about that to make sure that students are graduating or finishing school at at um, at the scheduled time? And um, the other question was uh, affordability of uh, computers. I, I, no, 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 not even that, no. The, the other thing was interruption by um, power loss. You know, you are in the middle, you want to study, you're you are studying, you're working on an essay, then there's power interruption. What is your ministry doing to work with other ministries or other ministers concerning power outage?
3: Hi, Matilda, thank you for for the questions, and uh, both good questions. The first one on what we are doing to make sure that students graduate on time, it's a very important question. I think I spoke to the education framework that uh, we are getting approved now. Primary education will be six years to align to SADC and to align to many other jurisdictions all levels will be four years, again, to align to other jurisdictions and uh, the Africa, uh, Africa Union Charter. Then A-levels will be done in high school. So we remove A-levels from being done in college. That will reduce the cost of uh, university education, college education, and many other things. So so we are, we are excited at this uh, uh, qualification framework. But to make sure that a four-year degree takes four years, our universities are, are being called on to work with government on this. I spoke to a culture that I've, I have found, and it's been this culture for a while, in our universities. It's a militant, political, and culture that takes very little to ignite. You know, you mm. see lecturers issuing threats, you know, to governments. Uh, I would not dare issue a threat to my employer, you know, but they do that. And when I went to the ministry, I found this to be very odd. And, uh, and, uh, and I, was, I, was, I was pleased that one of the chancellors came and spoke to me, who's been around uh, academics for a while, Professor Myunda Mwanalusha, who's our chancellor at CPE. He's written a book, and he, and, he, and he shared what he wrote about how Zambia moved away from the universities in Zambia, moved away from academic excellency, culture on campuses, to this militant you know, anti-government posture that has been there for, 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 for forever. And we need to move back to that. And when we move back to that culture of excellence, academic excellence, and away from this militancy, um, arrogancy, uh, grandstanding, and anti-government posture, then some of these issues will be, will be, will be, will be addressed. There, some, part of the reason, among many reasons why the university's culture changed, They feel that government does not support them enough. But we've challenged this, and we're speaking to this, to say, looking at University of Zambia or CBU and the revenue streams that they have that have been made possible by government, they should be able to be self-sustaining. Whatever government gives them should barely be a top-up. These are the most intelligent people in the country, the dons, the professors and the doctors and the, the master's degrees, they should be able to turn the M.P. farm into a state-of-the-art farm. The government has provided that farm and the, the equipment there. You should visit and see. The has accommodation, lodging facilities in the prime area in Marshlands. When Intercontinental is making money, why isn't UNSA at Marshlands making money? So some of these things are things we are speaking to. That there are revenue streams around these institutions that should be well managed to speak to meeting all their operational costs and whatever government gives them becomes the top up. These conversations are happening. We are realigning. We are right-sizing the institutions to make sure that uh, the left side of the balance sheet or the, 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 the speaks to the to the right side. And when when we're able to. To do some of these things and change some of these things, I think that tension in some of these institutions will stop. I've I've not seen much tension since I went there in the ministry. I've been meeting uh, the unions. I've been um, lecturers' union, management, and I've been very accessible and open to these conversations. You know, support from government has continued going, and the mindset that I'm speaking to I've also been speaking to so that we can see how we change and change the culture to guarantee that for years and the program that should take four years takes four years. I've also spoken to the politics around universities. You know, if we can remove the politics around universities and ask selfish politicians going to use the vulnerabilities of the lecturers and the students for selfish political gains, that also has to stop. If we can address these things, and we're trying, either through a policy or through some act, you know, or through just uh, um, uh, the discussions, uh, we'll, we'll get there.
4: You know, the load
3: shedding that you spoke to, this is something that we're experiencing in the country. And I think, uh, not to sound like a politician, but you know that uh, there was no investment, or very minimal investment in uh, power infrastructure, uh, especially around the MMT government, yes. The MMD government really, they spent a lot of time making sure that the numbers looked right, you know, the GDP growth looked right, the reserves to, to, to have the right import cover was right, you know, the the Quacha, the against the Dollar, you know, stayed a certain way. So, so they, they were very strict with the, the instruments and didn't do some of the things that they should have done. You know, PF has been accused of, of a borrowing because we found a situation that required agency. Zambia was in ICU in terms of infrastructure. We didn't have power generation assets or infrastructure. We didn't have enough roads. We didn't have enough hospitals. We didn't have enough of anything. So we've gone to speak to these things, and uh, hopefully the future looks better because we invested billions of dollars in uh, generation capacity. We have new power plants coming on. We have new transmission lines coming on. We have new generation distribution things coming online. And uh, finally, maybe we'll be able to address this uh, in a more permanent way. For now, uh, we are making do with what we have.
1: I would, uh, yeah, want to give you, I think, credit. Uh, I've, I've seen uh, on online you meeting uh, various stakeholders, students, something we don't see a lot of ministers do. Uh, I think that has been uh, a very good positive uh, on uh, on your part. Um, just very briefly, would you uh, share what has been the, the response of these? Um, uh, uh, meeting uh, going forward, are you creating some kind of uh, foundation for a better things to come, even after you have left the uh, the ministry?
3: Uh, yes, yes, we are, we are. trying to create a system that uh, you know can can be duplicated even after I'm gone. Uh, the, the relationships that we are we, we have with key uh, stakeholders uh, with the minister's office, uh, we're trying to, to put them, you know, to put guidelines around that so that uh, their expectations on the minister's office on uh, engagement, uh, you know, one, many things that... that what, I, what I've found many times is that uh, when people want to speak and uh, they are not given a platform to speak, you know, then that that cooks up and the pressure just continues uh, uh, going up. You know, so I, I've tried... Um, in my public life since I I became an MP and became a mayor to create opportunities to to, to meet and to learn, to to listen, you know, to share ideas. And many people have given me the same feedback. You're giving me that uh, I'm open, I'm accessible, and uh, I I, I listen. I'll I'll, I'll pledge to continue doing that so that uh, at the end of the day, you know, our time is well spent and uh, we we can move the agenda in a way that um, carries everyone along.
1: Let me go to Pennsylvania. Go ahead. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, uh, Dr. Mkimba, thank you for joining us.
7: Uh, before I go to my question, I would just like to,
4: to disagree with you
7: about the infrastructure, and uh, sometimes that's why uh, we love you as a diaspora, but sometimes uh, we get
3: disappointed for you to give us information like about infrastructure. You're telling us that uh, PF... Uh, when they came in, there, there was no infrastructure,
7: and you're not giving credit to the previous government who have put these, these things in place for you to come and uh, uh, work on them. And you you almost are making us feel like you're the one who started this, all these uh, projects.
3: And if you're the one who started this project within five years, that's very dangerous. That means you haven't done all the studies for you to implement all this in five years, and you you're building dams and this without going through the study. But what I wanted to comment on is uh, uh, when you started with, uh, when you were, you welcome, when I started listening to you, you were very uh, 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 present
7: here for uh, 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 government. And uh, for you being a diaspora,
3: I came here as a Zambian without education, and I, I didn't even graduate from the high school. In Zambia, I didn't even gradu- graduate from the uh, grade school, you know, I'm very, very, very fortunate, maybe I'm the only Zambian in the United States who haven't graduated from even uh, a primary school. But When I got here, uh, uh, Dr. Mushimba, it's the last year, uh, until like maybe late 2000s, that's when I started getting involved in politics, that's when politics starts making, I, I mean, I get involved in politics, uh, it's the last in, in 2000, since I've been here. Um, but when I came here without any education, without anything, and the, the community made sure that uh, I got educated, and even working, they make sure that I, I know how to use tools, I know everything. The community I didn't even know about the Democrats, I didn't know about the Republicans, I didn't know about independents. You know. So as a PF, and who has lived in a diaspora, what are you doing, or anything in pipeline that you are make sure that? No matter who comes in, if it's HH or I mean, um, not HH, but they are part UPND or PEF, the community that empowers, you know, to make sure that their people, the are locals, are, 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 are educated. Despite if it's uh, PF or UPND or NDC, what which which part are you is there anything that you can tell us that uh you know uh you're doing uh instead of like next time we get a minister like yourself is gonna tell us how how PF how the president is doing this and this and this and this that it power empower the uh
7: the the locals. Thank you, Doctor Mishimba, I really appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much, and good to hear from you. Um, maybe, I didn't make, maybe I didn't make myself clear on my reference to MMD and how tentative they were in the infrastructure development plan. I, I didn't mean to, to say they, 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 they were bad people. I didn't mean to say they didn't do anything. You know, I always give credit where credit is due, and the MMD did their best. And yes, it's on their shoulders that we are standing on as PF in terms of what we are doing. The comparison I made specifically is that they were extremely tentative in doing the things that I feel, looking back, and hindsight is always 2020 20 vision, they should have done certain things, they should have made certain decisions that the PF government has had to make and make them two, three years later. And the lot of shading that we're experiencing I, I, is, is a very good example. You know, the, the the higher education, the rate of high school kids going into colleges I spoke to earlier, you know, lack of uh, spaces and classrooms, some of those things could be attributed that we didn't invest e- enough. The program to put a university in every province that PF uh, is, is doing, you know, those things could have been done probably way, 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 way back. That's what I meant. Um, so, but... Um, what are we doing to empower the communities? It's a, it's a good question, a very interesting question, and, uh, and I'll be very candid with this, that um, some of the disappointments that we as government have, 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 have experienced with uh, the massive infrastructure rollout that PF government has done over the last uh, 10 years is that we thought with that massive $10 billion in infrastructure development, we thought it would empower communities our local contractors, our citizens, to a level that they would be extremely—they will create wealth. That has not happened, and it's very disappointing. And and and, and maybe government uh, uh, just assumed that when roads are being constructed, the locals are going to, to to partake and and create wealth. And and by the time we were trying to now try to arrest the situation, when we realized it was not happening. By bringing in 30 percent of every local every contract amount is to go to the locals. These things that uh, we've been speaking to, the the train had already left. So, so lessons learned there uh, that uh, just because you think you are changing the country infrastructure-wise and you're putting 10 billion in there, that it will trickle down. Sometimes it doesn't. Outside that, obviously. as government, there are a lot of uh, empowerment schemes that government is doing to, to create communities. Um, there are programs tailored to, towards senior citizens. There are programs tailored towards local contractors, SMEs. There are programs tailored to to, to students. And, and many of those things uh, with a view that uh, we can empower more communities and empower people. Uh, but certainly, you know, uh, that's why we still are in these offices, because we have not completed the task if we're if the task was complete, uh, we'll be doing something else. Are we there? Hello?
4: Yes, we can hear you, Brian. Can you hear me?
3: Okay. Yes, I can hear you. I finished the... the, 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 the I think I answered. I completed the answer, so it
4: was quiet, yes, and I did. thought I, I was disconnected. <laughs> no, you answered. You you completed your your response, but I'm not sure where Roger and Nathan are. So just I was just giving you a sound back sound back. That oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so yeah, I I don't know what happened as well. Uh, I I couldn't. <laughs> uh, l- l- let me <laughs> very quickly already take you to Kankoyo, our constituents. Uh, where you uh, come from, Um, you are one of the few, and I count, I don't know how many members of parliament we have, Uh, your constituency has received a lot of development. In one hand it is good, on the other hand it is bad. It is good that uh, they've got a caring member of parliament. But how is it that uh, one constituency uh, seems to be having all the resources, and uh, others are lagging behind? Uh, wh- what are we missing out there, Honourable? <laughs> it's, it's an interesting question. Lord. <laughs> 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 the, the, you know, you
4: know, two
3: things happen when in, in constitu- constituencies. Their government programs and their personal programs that the Member of Parliament brings. And these two create the, the development plan in the constituents. I think the biggest challenge that um, um, maybe other MPs face is the amount of lobbying that is required to bring certain development into your constituents. And um, I'm always given an example of, uh, you know. The mother has twins, and one twin is always crying for, to be fed, and the other twin keeps quiet. You know, the one who cries all the time to be fed gets fed before the one who keeps quiet. Even with, the, with government programs, they're very similar to that. Government allocates resources. But I, I'll tell you, the, the, people, the, 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 the communities that lobby the most probably get their share ahead of those that don't lobby as much you know we've seen development in many other constituencies because the mp's are very aggressive you know they they, they lobby i I'm am I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minister in government i know the mp's that come to lobby me for let's say a new school a new college in their in their constituencies or a new scholarship program for their community and you obviously if 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 let's say there's discretion in that spending you remember that one who's lobbying you and channel it there than someone who keeps quiet. So, so I think that's a phenomenon that many people don't understand, the dynamic of it. And I've been, I've been I'm, I'm happy that uh, I came in as an MP for my constituents when I came in because part of the reason I ran, I'm, I'm not a politician. Many of you guys know that. Um, I'm more of a technocrat than a politician. But I'm from Kankoyo. I grew up in Kankoyo, and I saw the, the dilapidation and... Uh, a, just a community left behind, and uh, my parents live there, my sisters live there, everyone lives there. So I thought, I felt duty-bound to, to stand up and, and, and do this. So I became an MP, and uh, under my watch, we've lobbied governments. You know, we have new roads, you know, everywhere, even compounds, there were no roads. We have clinics upgraded to hospitals. We have new schools constructed. Um, We've empowered communities in farming, we're we educating children. So, so many of these things are happening under my watch. I'm, I'm extremely happy that I uh, had this opportunity to, to, to at least influence um, some of the government's decision on, on the constituency and this positive impact that uh, the constituency has gone through uh, while well, I've had the privilege to serve as the MP.
1: Yeah, you, you talk about, interesting, you talk about uh, lobbying here. Maybe let me use this opportunity to have you, maybe I can lobby, for uh, my <laughs> region uh, in in Northwestern Province. As you know, that is the area which is pro- producing a lot of, uh, the, the, the bigger portion of Zambia money, and yet most of the schools you were mentioning here are northern, best, or eastern. Um, again, what is, the, what is the problem there? Can you and I work on uh, start uh, a community network school to cover the entire region, so we see where our minerals, are our money is going.
3: Yeah, no, uh, we, we have, uh, the ministry, uh, we actually have a very good plan for every province. Northwestern province We are constructing a science uh, and math uh, center, technology center. Um, you know, I've been working with Honorable Brenda tambatamba You know, it's going to be in our constituency, Honorable Ufuma. Um, we have programs, uh, infrastructure development going on uh, in there. Uh, so, so we're not leaving anyone behind, but again, uh, you're right that sometimes if uh, the lobbying is not effective, you know, you may realize that, uh, you know, the dollars uh, get delayed to get there. But uh, the MPs from Western Province are, 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 are doing a great job. I mentioned Honorable Lufuma Kasonso, uh, 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 Brenda Tambatamba,
0: you know, uh,
3: Honorable. Um, um, uh, forget his name. Um, they've, they've they've been very very good, uh, uh, you know, including Honorable Mushima. You know, he's in my office quite often. You know, so so we have,
5: mm-hmm.
3: we have a program for North Western Province, and it um, will come to pass very soon. Roger,
5: okay. very quickly, yeah, very quickly on Northwestern Province, Honorable Mushima. I think I don't know whether I heard you right. You said the only university that doesn't have Wi-Fi or Internet, is the one in northwestern province, is that what you
3: said? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, I only call it in Winilunga, yes.
5: Okay, what's the challenge there?
3: Uh, I think it may be the terrain. The report I got is the terrain and uh, where we were tapping um, uh, the, the fiber from. So that created a big, big challenge. Because, you know, these, we, put, we, put, we, we run fiber on the ground, but also put towers. And okay. um, those fiber, fiber networks go land into a termination box, and then we can pick it from there and uh, do the rest. But I think the terrain has been a bit of a challenge, and um, we, are, we are addressing it. When I, when I gave a report to His Excellency on uh, e-learning, you know, he took me to task on that. You know, he was very upset that uh, uh, Munilunga was not connected, and um, was, was, he, he took me to task, needless to say, and uh, we are on it.
5: Okay. So how are the students then uh, fit in the picture of this, uh, you know, the way things are going with the COVID situation? So
3: those, students, those, those, students, those students certainly no longer uh, are not able to access uh, e-learning. And uh, there's, a, there's, there's a system that I was told was being used where they were bringing them, you know, to get uh, lecture notes and things like that, uh, and then uh, have some type of uh, a face-to-face Discussions in the
1: in the midst of the pandemic. Okay. Okay, uh, Doctor Patrick, uh, would you have uh, a one word or so before we let uh, uh, Honorable Machine, by? he's been with us for one hour, uh, Doctor Pat. Patrick. We can't uh, hear you if, you if you are there. Okay. Uh, uh, you have answered, Honorable uh, Mishimba, a lot of uh, our questions and our concerns. I agree with you. Uh, when I come to Zambia every year. Uh, Facebook sometimes can tell us that is, uh, things are hot. But at the same time, there are real challenges, um, uh, the, the political uh, space. And uh, when we see at a dollar, that is real, whether it is on Facebook or on the ground, The requests Honorable Mushimba, we are receiving here uh, for people on the ground for help. It is it is heartbreaking. Um, I can tell you, my paycheck, half of my paycheck has to go to Zambia uh, just for people to afford a a meal. meal. So these stories are real. Um, uh, It it may not be like physical fire burning uh, things, but the the, the problem is uh, is is real, real on the on the ground. I'm sure you agree with that.
3: I I do agree that uh, uh the economy is in uh, in uh, distress. Uh, mm-hmm. I do agree that uh, um, we 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 are spending uh, uh, a a lot more money in servicing our our our, our debt. I do agree that um uh, some of the borrowing we've done and um and um, uh, by extension obviously the burden that it has put on us, we, some of those are being felt. Um, we thought that uh, the infrastructure development will, will put uh, lots of uh, jobs in the country, uh, will create wealth. It hasn't done at the rate that we expected. So so we are we are mindful of that as government.
0: Uh,
3: mm. There are programs that uh, you know we're trying to, to cushion that impact. Um, I also know that this infrastructure has a delayed payback you know, uh, I'll give an example of my village. My village for the first time has a road network going there. Is my area by by opening that mine in the next five years might be exploited. And what will, what will that? But without that road and the hospital and the clinic that has been constructed, these things would not, would not have been possible. So there's a delayed uh, uh, return on investment. Uh, and, uh, but we have to get through this delay. You know, and government has a responsibility to push on, and uh, we, are, we, are working on, uh, we are working on that in a very difficult uh, environment. But I'm very thankful for the opportunity to speak to you guys. I consider myself yeah. as part of you. Uh, I lived in the diaspora for a long time, and uh, when I start my campaigns next year, I expect a lot of you guys to come on board and fund my campaign because you are my brothers and friends and, we've, and colleagues, you know. Uh, and uh, I don't take this relationship and friendship for granted. Uh, I'm very thankful that you afford me this chance to speak and, uh, and uh, uh, level with you and uh, also catch up with many of you. I'm um, so, so thanks.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, drive safely, Honorable Mshimba. Yeah, thank you for, for the opportunity. Thank you, sir. Okay, welcome. That was uh, Honorable uh, Brian Mushimba, um, uh, Honorable Minister of Higher Education in uh, in, in Zambia. Uh, we will we'll try and do a small analysis. Uh, how happy are we, Anasan, uh, with the uh, the discussion? Uh, I'm sure we didn't go full throat to to hit him. <laughs> 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 no, I'm glad You see, yeah. I'm
5: glad We, we de- obviously, I'll tell you this uh, Obviously everybody Out there was expecting Us to do that, okay Since yeah. we've been given this This tab or label U P N D UPND Lagaria Okay, so And I know some people Are even shocked that we're having a, a PF minister or government
6: Official on the show
5: all right? And it wasn't, people need to know that this wasn't something that wasn't planned or scheduled for weeks or months or whatever. We just got a call that Brian Mishimba is in town and he's available. And we said, yeah, he's one of us. We always talk to him. So uh, those of you want some UPND like Gary, I've got extra ones. I can send them to you. And uh, that's, uh, okay, that's a joke. That's meant to be a joke. First (laughs) of all, you know, I'm going to speak from the education point of view. That, that's my passion. Uh, you know that. Um, I'm glad to know that Wi-Fi is available or Internet, whichever one is, uh, pre in the blanks here to the students, and the way he has explained that things are going. I don't know what the issue is, Kumi Nilunga. I wanted to joke with him and say, oh, no, that will cost you votes right there. But I left that alone. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, it's good to know that Zikta has created a plan for students for Wi Fi. You know, I believe it's cheaper. He used the word zero something. I don't know what that means. I should have asked him to explain, but I know it's probably cheaper or affordable. What that means in Zambian terms is another story for another day. Uh, on the issue, one of the issues that didn't come out clear to me is. There is a plan on student pl- uh, student plans on Wi-Fi. What has been put in place for the gadgets or tools, computers, laptops, and things like that? Uh, because I know these things can be expensive across the ocean. And yeah. so, on that from that point of view, in my from me in my position, I have got the the information that I needed to get or to know about this. Although I think <laughs> okay. I still need to dig. I still need to dig
1: deeper on, on the two issues that I've raised. Okay, okay. I will ask Vakaronde now because we were, um, sorry to say Vakaronde, <laughs> I know last time didn't go so well. You pour out your, if uh, you were satisfied or you are still mad, uh, one, you didn't ask, two, uh, what you wanted to tell him. To tell who? To tell uh, uh, Minister Brian Mishimba.
3: Uh, no, I felt like Brian was on Fox and Friends today. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's, a That's a good one. I like it. <laughs> I like
2: that. I really like that.
3: So I really was, like that. Trump Fox and Friends. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you gave him all the kid gloves on everything. Uh, You know, he controlled the show. He really uh, lied a lot. And, uh, yeah, I'm telling you, lied a lot. I have a lot of friends of mine who are university professors in Zambia. A lot of them who are university professors. And what he's saying is not true, literally not true. That I can tell you. And I also hated what he said at one point when he said that politics is a contact sport. That is. Mm. Yeah,
1: that's what is it. not a
3: contact spot. You see? Mm. That is staggering. You don't touch anybody in politics. That is dangerous. Mm. I hate that and I hated it. That is promoting thuggery in the country by saying politics is a contact spot. Who contacts each other in politics? You don't. I
7: because like that. All
3: those things, you did not catch him on that. Then he talked about mm. infrastructure. Infrastructure is talking about, is costing Zambians a, a leg and arm. There's no money for them to even think yeah. of building anything now. There is no money for them to even think about. He's talking about internet. Professors in Zambia, they are refusing to teach most of these online courses because they have to buy bundles for themselves from the little money that they are paid after a month. What is it telling us? You guys must be able to <laughs> think on your toes when you are discussing with these guys who said they are, who say they are not politicians when he's in politics. <laughs> then he mentioned something to say. Um, I wanted to find out if the government itself, he is in government, is he is in, in, in cabinet, are they comfortable with the employment numbers? Why is he churning out kids from the university after paying thousands and thousands of kwacha to go to school and they can't find a job for five years? What is he talking about? You cannot run a country like that. No. You cannot be churning out people Without employment, they go back either to the streets or to their parents' homes without any vision of what is going to happen to them in the future because the government is so bent in being in office, they don't even know can bring employment to the people in Zambia. He's talking about building schools, building universities. What about building industry where people can work after graduating? Uh, Those are things that he, that guy was supposed to explain rather than you guys giving all these kid gloves like he's the so you are shadow boxing. No, don't
1: shadow box if you're in a ring. A, <laughs> uh, a problem sometimes when you, when you uh, yeah, we, yeah well, someone say, wants to something. Go ahead. I know, I just want to write on
2: what our colleague just mentioned about uh, graduating graduates. Uh, who are not able to find jobs. I mean, that's that's the reality yeah. on the ground. That I know the Honorable Minister said what we read on Facebook is not always accurate, but when it comes to youth unemployment, it's something that I've seen firsthand. You know, I put out a job ad, I'll get easily 500 applicants, and these are fresh graduates. You know, they hmm. they essentially begging just for a chance to interview. But, as I, again, it goes to what I was asking about the skill gap that we have. I don't think the government for the last 10 years since they've been in power have really done anything to to prepare our graduates for the reality of what's happening uh, on the ground. You know, they graduate, yes, they're smart, they do well academically, but they can't solve the problems even for the opportunities that are being given to them. And the fact remains that, you know, there's just too many graduates graduating without opportunities for them. It's a ticking time bomb that we have in our country, you know? It yeah. needs to be addressed. We can't have too many young yeah. people waiting and just sitting. I feel sorry for whoever's going to be around when that bomb goes off because it's a serious problem that needs to be addressed.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, talking about the ticking time bomb, uh, Bella and what Wakaronde is saying, uh, the, the people in Zambia sometimes are nothing and everyone else. They mislead the Zambian mood. Uh, because people are not rioting, because people are not doing ABCD, uh, therefore there is no commotion in the, in, in the country. Uh, this is how we hit uh, KK in the face. He was very, very surprised to see uh, how we, how we uh, reacted in 1991. Yes, we had some uh, disturbance in the Copper Belt here, here and there. But they took us for granted. That's the same way I think Honorable Minister is saying here, oh, when you people talk on Facebook, what you are saying, the desperation in Zambia is real. And I think Wakalonde can give us a, like a small plus there. We told him that. You know, the desperation is real. We are living that desperation, most of us, every, every single day. When you look into my inbox, you cry. You cry. Some people, all they're only asking for is Two hundred to buy mealmeal, two hundred, so they can go and buy Millimil. You know, and these are mm-hmm. working people, ka? Huh? Yeah, nurses. You know, these are working people. Some of these are our relatives, and, and our, even our friends. Uh, to me, again, I support you. Uh, I'm supporting change in Zambia for for real. Uh, the, this problem only ends when Mr. Lungu and his, uh, his friends uh, go. I think we can have a fresh start we had with uh, Frederick Chiruba. That is a no sort of secret in my view. Yeah. Yeah. The component of I. Oh,
5: Doc.
1: Doc doctor. is here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so, oh. Sorry. Uh, doctor Gajia yeah, yeah, even inbox me. If you just come in, Doc.
7: Ah, I came, um, hi everyone first, I don't want to complain, but I came in, (laughs) to have a chance to ask uh, Brian some questions, but... You were not paying attention you press? So
3: Did you press one? Did you try
1: to press Roger,
3: one? Roger, Roger, people press one. I
1: press one. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you were not you seeing us, Roger. Roger. We, we were learning. No, <laughs> Roger Ronde's <this> is, <laughs> is different. Huh? It's different. You, you <laughs> let the man. go the Scott
0: Sorry,
5: Dr. Gajira. <laughs> Sorry. Dr. Gajira, it was <laughs> folks and friends.
7: Those folks and friends. <laughs> I think so. That, that's why some of us were not complete. No, uh,
1: no, no, no. But anyway, you know that.
7: Yeah. Uh, okay. The, 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 it was an interesting discussion. And uh, what I've noticed about politicians is they, they are very clever in how they consume <laughs> yes. time. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you yes. give him a chance to say something and he's thriving, you talk for five minutes. So he's. Up to the interviewer to cut short and then allow someone else because uh, we he needs to hear what we are thinking or what we. But anyway, the point. Uh, I had a number of questions. I hope uh, he's is still listening in, as most people do when when they've left. They want to hear what people are saying. I feel. uh, First of all, he admitted uh, that the uh, uh, overambitious, you know, infrastructure development uh, has not gone the way they they had hoped it had. Uh, He says we thought that if we build roads and everything, then Zambians will just suddenly start producing. Uh, I mean, that speaks to lack of uh, proper foresight and planning. In terms of uh, ensuring that the others, um, first of all, the infrastructure is is, uh, targeted at specific uh, uh, productive areas, number one, so that Uh. they can be priority and start producing. And not only just the road, but also put industry there. One thing I like about KBF and his plan, his book, is he talks about industries, you know, strategic. you know, uh, uh, industry plant, uh, planting in different parts of the country. And then you create the road infrastructure to uh, push the goods to to. The, but they didn't do that. They just went across. And that's why it's easy for us Zambians to think uh, they went so aggressive because the money became sweet. It's so, oh, we built this road. There's an extra money coming out of that, blah, blah. And they just lost track and kept going and going. Nobody is against infrastructure. Development, But the manner in which it was done, over-ambitious, looked like it was a bit chaotic, no plan. You raised the issue about Minilunga not having internet. You gave a kind of a, a flimsy answer about land, landscape and so on. Yeah, yeah, you also, that one. You also challenged on how, how come his area, Kankoya, is so developed. And he was very proud to say he lobbied. Now, the question, is there's a difference between lobbying with his private industry because you have connections and you're attracting a private uh, industry into your area because the mm. MP is just that good, and, and uh, governments, because you are a minister, you have an ear to the ground, and you have access to the president, you can get your area more developed than, say, Minilunga. I think that's a big mistake, um, the government must have a blueprint plan, scanning the entire country and then saying,
6: okay, yes. what
7: are we putting here? Because the soil is like this, because the, the, the natural resources are here, we'll build a mine here. We'll build agriculture there because they should not be looking at, oh, because the MP talks a lot, so we'll give him that. I think that's old-fashioned old, uh, uh, politics. I think we should move away from that. Um, the, the MP can do other ways to impress their people, to know that they're working for them. But when it comes to development, it should not be based on an MP.
4: Um,
7: yeah, so I, I think I'll pause there. I wanted to also talk, him, talk to him about something dear to my, me, which is telehealth. Bella asked a very good question there. There's a disconnect uh, between uh, the, 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 the PS plan of building schools and and actually uh, restructuring the the, the the curriculum to make those schools more effective, um, and it applies to healthcare too. They're building lots of hospitals, but they haven't had a plan for uh, human resource. Where you know where is the human resource coming from? Uh, the maintenance of those hospitals, yeah, the drugs. That, people are complaining. Yeah. yeah, you have a beautiful building uh, built by the Chinese, but it's. It's not doing its wrong. The third thing I wanted to say is they keep saying, oh, you diaspora, we come and invest, we want you. But the problem is in Zander, there's no proper policy on tapping on that diaspora. Look at Ghana. Ghana with the yeah. yield return and all that. They are bringing in investments from African-Americans, from, from Ghanaians coming back because they are proud to go back. There's something to do. There's some. The, the that's country welcomes oh. them with open arms, and they, there's a deliberate, as a matter of fact, deliberate effort to reach out to the diaspora. Zambia hmm. is just sitting back and saying, a Diaspora, you're free to come. But, but it's, it's not really, you know. Yeah, it's, it's not true. really that they are attracting anyone
5: to back
7: because we often German, back. Chairman, Chairman,
5: quickly. Haka yeah. yeah. wants to say something.
1: Oh, Hold oh. anyway, on. Oh, oh, no, no, very quickly. Sorry, Doc. Sorry. I don't know how we lost. I I couldn't see you you, you people. I apologize. Uh, Tomorrow we will be live raising money for UPND. We'll be live on Facebook. Uh, Those who want a link, I'll send it to you. Uh, Let's put some money. Let's not just complain, but uh, now we are putting our anger to action. Uh, So join us starting 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. It will be a live uh, for five hours. HH is going to be addressing uh, that um, um, event. Uh, Noah, very quickly, uh, Noah, and then Aka can come in w- one second here.
8: Yes, thank you, Roger, and good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, so for tomorrow on Zanus Radio Show, it comes every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be discussing a very fundamental, Eastern topic and that is life insurance. We've seen a number of our people uh, needing a lot of pushing or I don't know what way to use. We've been talking about life insurance for some time, but uh, people don't get it. So, again, tune in tomorrow, Sunday, at 2 p.m. Eastern time for more information about the importance of life insurance because we envision a a Zambian-American world where we don't have GoFundMe accounts, So that is our push from the leadership. We want to ensure that at least our people are informed and educated on why they should have life insurance. So tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, Mr. Aka, the man who can speak a uh, Please <laughs> come in. You have one and uh, 1.5 minutes. I apologize. I don't know if you came in earlier. Uh, the, I, I didn't see
6: you there. Uh, go ahead. Uh, uh my Mbuya, how are you doing? Thank you for this opportunity. I'm doing well, my I'm well, well. I, I will shock you next time we speak <laughs> uh, we'll start a lousy a lazy program here next year. You um, there you but, go. Uh, the, the, the issue is I listened to the, uh, Minister of uh, Higher Education, uh, Honorable Shimba and, um, I want to say that um, um, it's very, very good for him to have uh, admitted that they uh, basically um, were overambitious on uh, on um, on the issue of infrastructure to create jobs for the over six million Zambians that are a lot of a lot of them that are young that are unemployed. But I think, like other uh, other people here, have ob- rightly observed. Um, he was definitely on, uh, quote-unquote, uh, you know, um, Fox and Friends. Um, no, these things were not, were not touched. Um, uh, they, the, one of the things that I think should have been reminded, Honorable uh, Shimbashu, uh, should have been reminded, is that uh, before he took, up, he took up the portfolio at the Ministry of Higher Education, he was actually Minister of Communication and Transport. And, mm. uh, and I think he served in that role. And one of the things, uh, if he's listening, you remember, one of the things that I said to him three years ago was that, uh, Brian, can you pursue the issue of optic fiber project?
0: Mm. If you
6: remember, when the PF came into power, when PF came into power, they found the optic fiber project that uh, MMD was implementing. And I, I begged Brian, to, as Minister of Communication, to pick up that project and, and, and map out and, and construct optic fiber and make sure each district in the province has optic fiber connection, especially learning institutions. I said that to him. If it's genuine, he's going to, he's going to, to admit that. And I said, that's a very important project then, and it was futuristic, because then every school will have access to Internet and resources, well, fast forward now, he moves to education and pandemic happens, and then you have a situation where Munirunga doesn't have connection, connectivity. Okay, if they <clears throat> had foresight, like someone had talked about, they would have completed the Optic Fiber fiber Project. That was funded by taxpayers. My last point um, is that um, um, the, the issue of Bazari Brian um, was not, uh, did not tackle the issue of boundaries. There is no country on earth right now that has no free sponsorship for poor children that can't afford to pay school fees, that have merit and distinction um, uh, results at, at grade 12, even here in the United States of America. When I came here, I came to school, and this nation, the Department of Education, has educated me up to grad school for free, and I'm not even a citizen. Okay, the, the, what what am I saying? There is no nation on earth, mm. Brian has as as championed the policy of loans. No, but 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 you can do both. That's one thing that we also shared to him to and his ministry. You can do both. You can have a bursary and a policy and a, uh, um, a loan program in the Ministry of Education. And Brian, under him, championed the removal of bursaries altogether and just loans. But these kids, like someone observed already as I conclude, these kids, as, as, as they graduate from University of Zambia, Copper University, and other places, they are graduating without jobs. They enter the job market where there is actually no employment, and that on their backs are student loans. Even before they start working, and there's no work, they are required to start paying loans. Exactly. The, 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 the Republic of Zambia right now is a mess. And Brian is part of, and he claims to be not a politician. But Brian right now is part of a very rotten the system and and, and and regime. This regime will go down with him. That's what I want to say right now. And I, I thank you for allowing me to come.
1: Okay. Yeah, you said well. And again, I apologize for bringing people late. Uh, what we wanted to do was uh, a balanced... You know, when you... Oh attack someone, they, they, they go in defensive mode, you, you achieve nothing. Uh, you you mm-hmm. be a, a, achieve, achieve, achieve nothing. But thank you uh, for your input. I'm sure we are going to send him this link. He's going to uh, listen to, to it. That uh, You know, I was, I was talking to very smart people. Uh, thank you, everyone. Again, Nathan has a program tomorrow. Nathan, uh, please uh, go through it very, very quickly. Yes, tomorrow
5: I'm doing a virtual event with uh, some of the founding fathers of the Pentecostal movement in Zambia. 2 p.m., mm-hmm. Central, 3 p.m., Eastern, uh, 2100 hours, those listening from Zambia, and 8 p.m. in Europe. It's a busy day tomorrow,
1: packed day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, on the uh, UPND, we are also hosting a virtual fundraiser. So if you are mad as I am, Please uh, uh, br- bring your wallet, uh, brother Aka. Tomorrow we need uh, a big money from. Uh, I don't know if it's no- North Carolina where you are. We need a big check, a big check from there. Yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you, everyone, and uh, you have a wonderful uh, remaining uh, w- w- weekend. Thank you so much.